Good evening, everyone. Um, for those who don't know me, my name's Mushi, and I, this is the first time back because I was doing the recovery course on a Thursday, which is a great course. Uh, so I'm back now, and I'm going to be talking from the book of James. So, uh, it must get a bit organized. Right, so basically, um, let me just give you a little bit of background about the book of James. I'll just close that for a second. So if I move over there. Ah, great, yeah. So, um, so the author of this book, the book of James, is obviously a chap called James, who is the brother of Jesus, but he was, in fact, the leader of the Jerusalem church. And, um, and the book of James was, in fact, written for Jewish Christians. Uh, Jewish Christians had been dispersed from Jerusalem right out uh, towards the um, outer area, okay? And this is the, f the book of James was the first letter written in the New Testament, uh, there's very re little reference to any of the uh, central doctrines of the Christian faith, but this letter discusses true religion, true faith, and true wisdom, okay? And when you think of the book of James, what should come to mind is practical Christianity, because the book of James talks about practical Christianity. So, next question is, who is Yeshua? The word Yeshua means deliverer, saviour. Remember I said earlier on, the book of James was written for Jewish Christians. Jewish Christians believed in Jesus, who they called Yeshua. Yeshua is a name that's prevalent in Hebrew and Aramaic languages. The book, the Bible, the 66 books of the Bible were written in Hebrew, Aramaic and Greek. And the Jewish Christians knew of Jesus Yeshua because he came from the Hebrew and Aramaic languages. And the book of James was written for Jewish Christians predominantly. So Yeshua is a name that represents Jesus' Hebrew identity. Uh, the book of James has a distinctly Jewish nature that suggests it was composed when the church was still predominantly Jewish. Many knew him as Jesus, Messiah, the Son of God. But many others knew him as Yeshua, a name prevalent in Hebrew and Aramaic languages. So, so, as I said earlier, the book of James is all about practical Christianity, practical righteousness. It was written to Jewish Christians, and the question that was really these Jewish Christians were asking themselves is, how do I live a life that is pleasing to God? You know, these Jewish Christians knew the Old Testament. They knew that God disciplined his people in the Old Testament because of a lack of practical righteousness. These Jewish Christians were trying to figure out how to live a life that was pleasing to God in the church age. You know, Jesus had come, he died on the cross, he'd risen again, they had become believers in Jesus. These Jewish Christians knew practical righteousness was very important to God. The issue is not, are you a Christian for these guys? The issue, the issue wasn't, are you saved? They knew they were Christians. They knew they were saved. The issue was, how do I live a life that pleases God as a Christian? That's what's on their minds. And this leads me to the first, there's going to be a series of questions, okay, at the end, and you can start thinking about the first question. So the first question you can start thinking about, thinking about is, um, what stops me from living a life that is pleasing to God? That's going to be one of the questions you'll be thinking in your groups. What stops me from living a life that pleases God, because James is about that, you know, living a life that pleases God. 
So, James chapter 1 and 2. Um, James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. Okay. So, let's just quickly go into this. Uh, Consider all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Okay? So, there, you know, the purpose of trials and testing is that it could produce um, character in us, really. We talked about he's a good, good father, and he's perfect in all his ways. Very often we, have inconsistent, we are inconsistent people with fractured characters, okay? And when we go through trials and tribulations, that can produce uh, something which is pure in us. Wisdom. So the uh, next bit is wisdom. So this is James' chapter 1, verses 5 to 8, which I'll quickly read. Uh, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought to know, uh, ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man and unstable in all his ways. So, um, we all know, well, I'm not sure if you do, but there was a, there's a story in the Old Testament about King Solomon. And King Solomon was a wise king, a very wise king. And there was a situation where two women were arguing over um, a baby who they each claimed was, a, was their own. And it got brought before King Solomon. And King Solomon, King, King Solomon said, bring the baby for me. I'm going to chop it in half. And the mother, that was the true mother, came up and said, no, no, don't do that. I'll let the other lady have it. And then Solomon realized that the true mother was, in fact, the one who was happy to allow the other mother to have it. And that was, God gave him wisdom on how to make that decision at that time. And that verse says, if any of you lacks wisdom, just ask God for wisdom, and God will give it to you. He'll give you supernatural wisdom when you need it. Uh, and it's important to exercise faith when you ask for wisdom and not doubt that God will give you that wisdom. So, the second question I want to think about in your groups is, do you think that God can give you wisdom? Do you think that God can give you wisdom when you ask it of him? So that's the second question. Uh, the rich man. So, in verses 1, 9 to 11. Sorry. Okay, in verses 1, 9 to But the brother of humble circumstances is to glory in his high position, and the rich man should glory in his humiliation, because like flowering grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with the scorching wind, and withers the grass, and its flowers fall off, and the beauty of, it, of its appearance is destroyed. So to, so to the rich man, in the midst of his pursuits, will fade away. Yeah, that's it, okay. So... That really is talking about the rich man. It say, and it compares how the rich man, with, in all his riches, uh, with, and I've got like two illustrations. You've got, a, you've got some budding, a budding flower bed, and then and you've got a flower that withers. And you can, what I've just read is, you know, the rich man will wither away. Despite all his riches, he'll wither away. And even in today's news, don't even notice that Jamie Oliver's restaurant's chain has collapsed, hasn't it? 
all those jobs, all those people with lots of wealth, but it still is on the brink of collapse. All those jobs are going, you know, I'm not sure if they're rich or what. Nicky Lauda, the, uh, the Formula One car racing legend, passed away yesterday, age 70. You know, we all pass away. Death is inevitable, we can't escape it. Uh, and, um, but, you know, um, so it's really about, so it doesn't, it, sometimes we can pursue to be, sometimes in our pursuit we think, let's get rich, but that's not what it's really all about. All right, let's move on. James 1, 12 to 18. Okay, so just bear me a second. I'm a bit muddled up here. James 1, I want to read the passage out to you because I think the passage is quite good. All right. James 1, 12 to 18. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone, but each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Uh, yes, yeah, so do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. In the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, so that we would be a kind of firstfruits among his creatures. And that's basically, uh, basically saying that, you know, uh, God not does, does not tempt anyone, and you're enticed by your own lust, which gives birth to sin, and then sin brings forth death. So don't, don't be deceived, you know, you're enticed by your own lust. Every good and perfect gift is from our Father in heaven. So, this leads me to the next slide, really, which is, you can sow a thought, but if you keep sowing those thoughts, you'll reap an action. And if you keep sowing actions, you'll reap a habit. And if you keep sowing that habit, you'll reap a character. And if you keep sowing that character, you then reap a destiny. And the third and last question is, look at that scale. Sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. Reap a destiny. Where are you on that scale? That would be the third question. Okay, then moving on to verse 19. Be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, is what James 1.19 says. Then you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. And there's a lot of wisdom in that, isn't there? To be quick to listen, it's good to listen, and to be slow to speak. So often we can be, we can probably say an awful lot, but there's not a lot of wisdom in that. And slow to anger, that's wisdom there. And the mirror. Okay, so this is a really good verse. I'll read it out to you. James 1, 21 to 25. I get the uh, 
I'm reading out the passages because I think it's, there's lots of good stuff in there, uh, which I think we should listen to. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness in humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourself doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, and not, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, that man will be blessed in what he does. Okay, so that's, uh, so there you know, it starts with a man in the mirror, receive the word, you know, do what the Bible tells you to do, you know, uh, it's no good, you know, how many of us would go in front of a mirror in the morning, look at it, and then bother, not bother comb our hair, or brush our teeth, or wash our face. So do what the Bible tells you to do, stop all filthiness and wickedness, keep reading the Bible, because it, because it cleanses your mind, and do what the Bible tells you to do, and God will bless you. And the next one, words kill, words give life, they're either poison or fruit. You choose, Proverbs 18:21. And so, um, James 1, if I can get it, 20, if anyone thinks himself to be religious, yet does not bridle his tongue, but deceives, uh, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. But that's the th a good thing to think about as words. So often we can be, our tongues are quite powerful instruments. That we can either use them to kill people in the, you know, um, to bring them down, or we can use them to give life and encourage people. They can be either poison or they can be fruit. And we can choose what words we'll use. And they come out from our inner beings. So that's, I think, basically it, okay? I wanted to keep it, hopefully, short and snappy. So I'll remind you of the questions in your groups, if you can break into groups. What stops you from living a life that is pleasing to God? What stops you? Remember, the Jewish Christians, they were thinking about, I'm saved, I'm a Christian, but how can I please God? That was what was on their minds. Do you think God can give you wisdom? God gave Solomon wisdom, huge amount of wisdom. And God can give you supernatural wisdom, no matter who you are. If you're in a difficult situation, you don't know what to do, if you pray and believe in faith, God can give you supernatural wisdom to sort that situation. He can do it. And then we talked about that scale. So a thought, reap an action. So an action, reap a habit. So a habit, reap a character. So a character, reap a destiny. Where are you on that scale? Thank you, that's it.